Known for kimchi, global brands such as Samsung, SK Holdings, Hyundai, LG, and Kia, South Korea is one of the most technologically advanced countries in the world, where they are even known to have blazing fast internet. South Korea's advancement in technology comes as no surprise as they focus on education and teaching is one of the most prestigious and well-paying jobs in the country. Today, I want to introduce my friend TK, who comes from the beautiful capital city of Seoul. In today's interview, TK and I discussed Korean education, traditional values, and how gender equality has been an important initiative for the Korean government and has made some great improvements over the years. From the culinary side, it was so touching to hear how much his grandmother's food brings him special memories and how he feels that food preferences have shifted with new generations, with fried chicken being the meal of choice at Korean baseball games. We wrap up our conversation hearing his take on the widely popular Netflix TV show, Squid Game. In Korea, because there has been a lot of government effort, there's a whole sector of the government that's specified for women's rights. And that, that, that shows how Korea has been really working to resolve sexism in the society. Hello everybody, you are listening to Evan Worldwide. On this podcast, I'm going to take you on a journey around the world. You will hear young people's perspectives on culture, conflict, and cuisine. So let's go. So my name is Taekyun Kim. I am 17. I'm from South Korea. So would you say that there's a lot of conflict in South Korea? You mean like political-wise or just general? It can be any conflict. It can be political or economical. I mean, I feel like it's the same for any countries. Ever since we had the pandemic, there has been economic problems. That wasn't an exception for Korea. And because of that, there were also a lot of, I wouldn't say especially a lot, but yeah, we, we are in similar situations. And like, so would you say that like the coronavirus is the the main cause of this of the problem yeah i mean there's been a lot of restaurants in korea that's there well restaurant owners that are suffering from significant decrease in their revenue because of covid and also korea out of many countries we're very strict with regulations when there's a certain level of um, infections in a certain area the government is uh, regulates everyone from going outside or they're like you know like night restaurants open after 10 p.m or so like they're usually banned. If we talk about like the food economics, those kind of restaurants have, have suffered a lot. Oh, wow. So I, I want to go back to those night restaurants. So they were banned at first? Or are they banned now because of the pandemic? Don't call me. I don't, I, I'm not so sure about when happened or how long this happened. And also it's all different per region. So for example, Seoul and like cities around the capital, they... Of course, they have higher cases of COVID, so they have often been regulated. So when I was in Korea during the summer holidays, what happened was um, we were not allowed to be in groups more than a, a group of three or four. We were really limited to a small number of people. So even so, there were no parties at restaurants. You couldn't meet up with many friends for like a meeting. It had to be in groups of four. And also, I think it's after PM. It's only in pairs. You can only be in groups of two. It was at what time? After six, I remember. I believe it was six. Yeah, it was it was it was six, but for dinner, you couldn't be in groups of more than two people. So and that of course meant that many restaurants had smaller number of people in there. Wow. Um, and was that for all the restaurants in Korea or mainly just in Seoul where there were like the most yeah, it, it was mainly Seoul, but 
there are there also other like big cities in Korea. So okay. the government would always check the number of cases, and depending on that, they'll be setting the regulations. So it was mainly Seoul, few cities around Seoul. Um. Okay. So, what social issues would you say are more prevalent in South Korea? Like racism, sexism, homophobia. Well, I don't. Uh, racism. No. I mean, there. I, I know there are a few cases, but they're never as on hot issue as it will be in the states we don't have as many foreigners as other countries would have sexism you know korea as an asian country we do have some um, traditional values you know men are prioritized but there has been a lot of effort ever since 1990s 2000s to get rid of that i mean it's getting better but it's i think especially in my generation the pace of you know Having this equality is even faster because if you compare this with like what my mom tells me about what happened when she was my age, what's happening when you know I'm in this age, like a complete different story. So I feel like sexism is an issue that Korea has been constantly really working on to resolve. An issue that is really prevalent in Korea, but maybe less in other countries, would be education. So you know maybe this is the reason why you know Korea or some Asian country has those not stigma, but you know those labels as being you know, the highly rigorously educated countries. I personally think that's like decades as, you know, we've developed mainly using, mainly with like IT. You know, we don't have many resources. We don't have fossil fuels. We don't have like big farms. As we were concentrated to those specific industries, that kind of led to people having the thought that in order to succeed, well, you got to become a resource needed for IT or a resource needed for whatsoever that's most popular. And yeah, okay. that's why I think education is more valued. And therefore, we have a lot of, and whenever there are big exams, we have a lot of issues. Wait, so I want to go back to, um, so like the education part. So that's, ha- so women have been getting education, which has been like helping them get more of a, more of like a little bit of equality in Korea. The government has always made education compulsory a mandatory thing for i think from primary school to middle school for both boys and girls so there hasn't been much of that but like the the sex that i'm talking about is usually in workplaces so when it was my parents generations there used to be significant you know sex ratios there would be definitely a lot more men but that's that's the part that government has been trying to resolve i'm assuming you know since the united states is such a such a big country and like such a relevant country in society are you you're aware of the me too movement right right yeah yeah has there been like an organization or or like a concept adopted similar to that like in korea so when me too happened in states and in the united states and also in europe it also happened in korea so we did have i don't know the numbers i don't know if it's many but i did see posts and i did see articles about Know, celebrities being um exposed about their past with the Me Too movement. Um, also, I'm not sure about other countries, but as far as I know, many countries a case for supporting sexual equality. This really happens with an NGO, an organization that's you know working for it. In Korea, because there has been a lot of government effort, there's a whole sector of the government that's specified for women's rights, and that that, that shows how Korea has been really working to resolve sexism in the society. That's pretty awesome, I gotta say. It'd be interesting to see how, if other countries adopted a concept similar to that, like if they would have the same kind of results. Because obviously not every country is the same, but it I guess it's definitely working for Korea then, if that's the case. Do you think that there's a shift in perspective in people our age in Korea? Or 
do you think they believe that sexism is okay? Um, you know, like we call ourselves the Gen Z, the Generation Z. Yeah. Probably that label came because we're that special in good ways or bad ways. <laughs> um, in Korea, well, if you say my generation, they'll be still be like from my age to like the young adults in Korea. So there has been a significant um, change in attitudes, I think, definitely. Because, for example, in the past, I feel like the reason for this is maybe like the social media, like how it grows so much and also how, how people became more educated. So, for example, in the past, if, if there was some sort of sexist, um, you know, treatment inside in a company or like, not a really extreme case, but the person was just mistreated because she was a woman or so. In my mother's generation, they would have just lived with it because, well, they're used to this, you know, that they lived the generation where sexism was prevalent in the country. If that happened to someone in my generation, a woman in my generation, there definitely would be actions. And I think the reason for this is because, well, we're more educated. My generation is much more educated about sexual equality. And also, like, there has been many organizations founded to support people who are suffering these kind of cases. If sexism was ever to occur anywhere, you know, our generation would react more strongly to it. While maybe a few generations before, it would have been something like a little bit. Wow. That, wow. So, dang. Like, what about, like, in, like, even your mom's generation, would there even, like, you know, women's rights activists are, like, trying to, you know, promote gender equality? Yeah, I'm, uh, gender equality was, I definitely can tell you that there has been a lot of awareness. I think the awareness came with, you know, when Korea had the economic boom, you know, when there was, you no know, we, just, like, just after the war, we used to be, like, if, if you're supposed to count our ranking and, like, our economic wealth, we used to be, there's a saying in Korea that we used to be easier to find our ranking from the back. It was easier to count it from the back to find our rankings. So <laughs> when, it, when we lived at that kind of time, where, and of course, education was, was as poor as the economy, um, there wasn't much of awareness about sexism. And I think women were less sensitive to it too. But, you know, as the economy developed and as education developed, um, this also gave women a chance to, you know, understand that sexual mistreatment is, is not right. I think education contributed to spreading this awareness. And as this awareness spread um, across my mother's generations and my generation, there has been many organizations found to support this. And there has been also many social media activities to make more women aware of this. Because I, I feel like Korea's sexual equality has been very improved from the past. And I think that this is a product of those you know, generational efforts. That's that's really great to hear. And I think it's really interesting to think about when you said at the time the economy was re- just as bad as like the gender equality. And like once yeah. the, once the economic boom happened in South Korea and your guys' economy got so much stronger, so did like rights with women. I'm not a sociologist, so but right. I, I do study social and I, and I was passionate about this too, you know, really about feminine rights before. And what I felt, what I always feel is that um, gender equality always gets improved if education improves mm-hmm. because that straightly correlates to the awareness. You know, if you're if the less educated a country is, the less aware of social issues the general public will be. So now that more people are educated and the more and more people know how to say like no that's not right that's you know that's what makes them more equal. Ah, so that's super cool so you took 
your sociology class um, at your school in Russia? I take it. I took it as a elective in Russia a few years ago, and I did a lot of research. I mean, feminism and feminine feminine rights because I thought it was an interesting topic. And yeah, yeah. yeah this is just what I kind of came to think about. No, that's all. That's really yeah. cool. Do you keep up with politics and government in South Korea, even though you live abroad? Not as often as I would. I mean. It's I'm probably it's not because I'm not living in Korea. Just because I got really busy. You know, I'm, I'm a senior, so uh, I was just writing my college application before I came to this interview. I don't have as much as time, to, you know, use and do what I used to do a few years a few years ago. But I do try to keep up. You know, I don't want to be ignored one who doesn't know what's happening when the election is. <laughs> so I try to stay my I, I try to stay updated, but sometimes that's good. That's good. How do you learn your information that you get? Like, how do you learn about the news that is happening in Korea? Do you get it from your mom? Your like TV, social media. You know, my my grandparents raised me until I was four or five. When, when I lived in Korea, they exposed my parents' work. And my grandfather used to subscribe newspapers. So I didn't read newspapers then, but I was very familiar with newspapers. But until then, I lived in the countryside. But later when I came down to like the city with my parents, I think it was when I was in middle school. Um, My parents didn't buy me a phone when I was in middle school. Probably because, you know, they thought I'd get addicted to it. It's, anyway, um, so I... I remember reading paper newspapers when I was in middle school several times. But then I got my phone. I think ever since I got my phone, I've only been um, using the internet. So that's where I get it. I try to stay off from just, you know, learning about news and politics, social media, because like, I feel like they're more vulnerable to being biased when you're, you know, when you're looking at news from Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, really like yeah. the really catchy, attractive subtitles with an image. And I think right. that kind of makes you really easily overlook many things. I try to, you know, my parent, my father really uh, values, you know, looking at different sources. And, you know, you're looking at politics. So I try to do it as, you know, look at one source and the other. That's good. Hey, you got a smart father there because, you know, yeah. looking at different resources kind of shows you that like there's two sides to every story and heck there could be even more than two sides to every story. I think it's always good because if you hear the same thing from multiple sources, then you know, it's true. So then when you ever have a discussion about politics then you're, you know, that you're going to be right. Cause you've talked, you've seen many different sources and even sources that were, that are opposing or like what like they have two completely different perspectives but they both say the same thing so yeah that's pretty awesome and that is so cool that you would read the newspaper like in in middle school so you think you got that quality from your like harmony or your um shoot i forgot how to say grandfather in korean hamoji hamoji yeah and also um yeah also because i didn't have my phone but then as I got my phone, we, we stopped subscribing and that's how we kind of transitioned. Have you found that there's like, um, let's say you have a newspaper and an article that's online and they're both on the same topic. Have you ever found like a difference in like the quality of, or like the amount of information that they're sharing? Of course. I mean, there's a, there's a very big difference. And I and I feel newspapers are, are written with a more professional language, I feel like. So, of course, they're different because the the news on internet or like the ones you find on internet, they're they're targeting a more varying, you know, range of ages from like middle schoolers to adults. Then newspapers, I don't think they target middle schoolers to read their articles. So, you know, their language level is much more higher. And, you know, I felt it right away. You know, when I used to read newspapers, you know, I, I need a dictionary or I need my father next to me to keep on asking what that means. 
<laughs> if you read off your phone, you know, their language is much more simpler, they're shorter. I think that's definitely good because, you know, younger people also access the news, but my mom thought it was better with the paper because it helped my, you know, language skills a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's probably why, like, you're so much smarter than almost everyone else in your grade at your school. <laughs> oh, no, no, <laughs> I'm not. That smart. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. You're exactly right. Like what middle schoolers read newspapers other than you, of course. But <laughs> the thing is, articles, you know, they're online. You can even and like if you don't know a word, you can even just look up that like in the dictionary. Like you have access to everything on the Internet. It's a blessing and a curse in a way. When you're getting your information or like whenever you go to Korea to go visit your family, have you ever found like there's a censorship in the, in the news or like is the government trying to hide anything? Ooh, okay, so <laughs> that's politically sensitive. You're asking, okay. Just, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just your perspective. Oh, so the thing is much, many of the, the major broadcasts, the major companies well, they are, they, they have a relationship with the government. So this kind of goes back to like Korean political history because in the past we had many, uh, we had president, we had many precedents of, of Korean, you know, governmental leaders, you know, using the media and using the news to, you know, make propagandas. I think this happens in almost any countries, but happened to Korea too. And, you know, there are remains of that. You know, the broadcast today still have some relationships with Korea. I feel this, you know, especially when, you know, there, there might be a, when there's a political leader that I don't want to specify to a leader. So that's why I'm trying to be very vague with my expressions here. But when there's a political leader that I support, that is not supported by the media, they are, you know, they don't do manipulations because that's obvious. And, you know, Korea's really sensitive that, you know, like how the, the former president, uh, Park, uh, Gne Park, she was, she's in jail right now. So, oh. so, you're, so we, we have many prisons that went to jail after serving. That's how like sensitive we are with how well, like how there's no corruptions and so on. So usually media wouldn't do manipulations. I, I, I don't think I've seen a case as far as I remember for now, but I feel like there's bias evident, you know, they maybe try to shine only the good parts or only the bad parts of a specific leader to kind all the viewers to think in a certain way. I, I don't feel this is especially a, I mean, like, of course it's a problem, but like it's inevitable. It happens in any country. There's always the spins with the media. So this right. to be like, yeah, it's something that happens, but yeah, there, there is some interventions of government to the media. All right. Yeah. I always just ask this question to everybody, like considering to see like, you know, when, I'm talking when I'm asking them about the news and then like they get and like how they get their information. I'm always just curious to see if like there's a little bit of a things that are hidden, you know. Do you have any friends from different countries or like have you met a lot of people from different countries? Yeah, I mean, I, I've been to international school for my elementary, only for middle school. I've been in Korea. My high school, I spent it also in Russia. So I do have many international friends. Uh, my closest friend, you know, I lived in Romania for my elementary school, by the way. Yeah, I had, I had a French and a Romanian, like, besties back then. And right now here, you know, some of my closest friends are Argentinian, American. That's cool. Vorbit Romana? Huh? Vorbit Romana? Is that Romanian? Da. Yeah, I, I know da, but <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah, much Romanian. Yeah. I didn't learn it. I didn't learn the language when I was there. I should have. It's okay. It's okay. You know what? You speak Korean, English, and Russian. Like, that's, <laughs> that's already super cool. But anyways, so 
your uh, international friends are all over the world or have you met them mostly in Europe as like you've lived in Europe and then Korea? I mean, um, usually, I mean, we, I usually meet them in school. So mm -hmm. if, they, if they could be from different countries, but they usually live in the same country as I live. Do you see like differences or similarities between the people you've met from other countries? Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, the main difference is, you know, if you go to international school, there's always a thing. If it's an international school, in Russia and you're Russian, that implies that you are economically very wealthy in that country. If you're Romanian and you go to Romanian International, because this means that, you know, your parents are affording that school, the tuition and everything. Usually for students like me, you know, it's my dad's company that afforded as an option to, you know, because my dad isn't employed in Russia. He, he's employed in Korea, but he's like, he's sent to um, Russia for like a few year commission. And because he sent the company supporting him with like children education, and that's why you know I go to international school. So whenever I have a friend that's like from that country and goes to international school, and I visit their house, you know, I kind of get really, <laughs> you know, dazzled about like having oh you have a pool inside your house that's amazing, and you know those things to happen. Um, also culturally, there's a lot of different things. I remember you know um. Now, ever since I'm, I, like, I'm, since I'm in high school, I don't go to my friend's house as often as I would, or, you know, I don't have sleepovers and stuff like that. You know, we're busy, we're busy seniors. But when I was in elementary, I used to sleep at my French friend's house. We, were, we lived really close. I went to his house very often. You know, that was the first time I knew that, you know, some people do eat pancakes for breakfast, those kind of things. What about... And like the way you guys think, do, you, do all of your perspectives, do you guys, do you think that all of you think the same, like um, in regards to like politics or even, you know, what you're interested in for like studying in college? I mean, since you mentioned politics, um, I mean, maybe this is not because they're international, but I have friends that have different political views. I even have some friends that are like really strong right wing, you know, strong left wing. I don't know if that's, I doubt it's because they live in there. It's more about other environmental factors. But, but the interesting part is, you know, I also realized that, let's say you're left-wing in Korea. That doesn't mean you're left-wing in the States. You know, you could be right-wing when you talk about U.S. politics, but then be left-wing if you're talking about Korean politics. I, I realized that when I talk about the U.S. politics with my American friends, I, I, I have a different perspective than I would have been for Korean politics. Mm -hmm. So those were some different things I experienced. Also, you know, when I was in Korea, if I have 10 friends, out of 10, I'd say 9.9, .9, they want to go to good universities, they want to get good grades. Mm -hmm. um, I told you why this might be in Korea right, before, right. but but when I came, when I, when I met many friends from different countries, you know, I've even met some friends that are not interested in pursuing university education. Some, you know, have other plans of just you know, graduating in high school and started working right away. Also, the range of jobs. You know, when I was in Korea, the most common jobs in Korea, like most desired, are like doctors, lawyers, or like uh, public servants. So those are the most popular. And also, or to work in, you know, a, a major company like Samsung, LG, Hyundai. So because of that, when we talk about majors, we have like many people concentrated in like engineering or economics. Yeah, usually those two, or like uh, biology, like related to biology or medical, because they want to become a doctor. But yeah, yeah. coming to international schools, you know, I've met friends who have really interesting 
like major desires, like someone to learn about agriculture, someone, some are interested in, in maybe architecture. So I thought that was really interesting. That also affected me too, you know, I, I, I only wanted to become, I mean, I still do pursue engineering, but in my high school, you know, I'm in this team, uh, this like organization called the NAHS. I don't know if you might know, it's like the National Art Honor Society. Oh, yes, so, yes, yes. I've heard of it. So I've never been interested in art until middle school. Like I, I was horrible at it. I thought it was never <laughs> going to be useful for me. But, you know, I, I, in high school, I met many people. I have many friends that are passionate in art. You know, they took me to the Russian museum. They, they made me look at these artworks. That, that really affected me to also become interested in art. I'm guessing I wouldn't have had if I lived in Korea all my life. That's really cool to see that, like, you know, living in Russia, giving you a new, um, like, mindset for different interests that, like, you want to pursue. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, they're not existing in Korea, but I'm just saying, like, how prevalent it is. Also because it's an international school you know, we have more different people, more variety of people. So I think it's, there's a, there's a much higher chance that you, you know, you walk by into someone who has something that, who has an interest that is completely different from what you have. Whenever you've gone to visit in Korea or like whenever you've been living in Korea, do you see young people advocating for peace and less conflict? Or like, have you seen people protesting out in the streets? Um, in regards to any cause? I can't think of like a peace movement that happened in Korea recently, but we do have candlelight movements, the movements where you have, you hold can. So we, we try to, that for, so for the the former president that got a small ice that told you is in jail right now. I don't know, uh, maybe she's not in, okay, let me fix it. She's in, she might not be in jail anymore. She probably finished her term, but she was, before she was fired from her job, we had like, I think, thousands of people that came that were in there's a street in Korea that's uh that's in front of where the prison works so people fill that street also uh and also we have like a place called Kwanghamun so that's like that's a symbolic place because it represents liberty and stuff like that so we had people around there holding candles mm-hmm. and at night this is well meaningful in Korea because this is uh we, we consider this a peaceful protest you know, compared to the previous governments that were usually, you know, there had always been some sort of fight, not fights, but like there has oh, been like, like, like a great violent okay. protest. So these protests, or at least these candlelight protests, they were in regards yeah. to the former president who was in jail? No, she, she was serving, but then we wanted her to resign. Um, yeah, resign. So what was it that was so bad about her or was she even a bad president oh she was a bad president if you ask me i say she's a bad president all day but i mean there has she she didn't relate it with many there has been been many conspiracies also she's she we had a really really unfortunate event when she was serving we had a there was a ship called uh it was a fair it was a ferry called sewol ho it was for a student's field trip we had many students on that on that ship but the ship sank and uh, many students died from there because the government has been really, really late to react to it. That really angered the public. There has been already many conspiracies about her before that, but that was like a trigger that made many people upset about the uh, former president. She didn't really slow to react to it with the rescue plan and all of that. It was an event that if you look at it objectively, like possibly so many students could have been saved, 
but they died because the prisoner wasn't doing her job correctly. And yeah, that, that straight up led to some protests. That's really sad about to hear. Yeah. How many of the children died? Um, we had 299. Wow. 299 children died. So, so out of, uh, they might not be all children, but the ship had a, a grade of school. It was a great field trip. So there were, it says there were um, 476 passengers and mm-hmm. 299 So this event also happened on the 16th of April. So every 16th of April, we have an event to remember this day. That's really sad. Basically, how, how many years ago was this? This happened in 2014. And I think the prison was impeached. Yeah, she was impeached in 2016, 2017, between those dates. Wow, that's very crazy. I have this last question about peace and conflict. How can young people help spread awareness to advocate for peace? It can be like even for like the whole world. Like it doesn't have to be just for Korea. I mean, peace is, okay, peace is a bit general. So I might specify, let's, I mean, for example, when there was, you know, there has been many movements for uh, the Black people's rights. Mm-hmm. And there were also many um, movements using the social media. I think that's, I know there's a lot of people talking about whether that's effective or not, but I feel like it's a good attempt. You know, social media is something that, you know, our generation's really, really used to, but the young people look at it, the young people look at it every day. And, you know, using that as a means to raise public awareness, I think that's a very good start to get many young people included i think so yeah I, i'm pretty positive I'm, I'm a very positive person about the use of social media and raising awareness i know there's always controversies because you know as well as you can raise po- you know positive awareness it's the same for the negative awareness but i feel like we're off to a good start using social media so korea very rich in culture what are some of the most popular dishes in korea the most popular it like more than one dish i know that Korean food is so vast in its yeah. in its diversity and like different dishes depending on the region or like a you know, part of Korea. What are some of the most popular dishes? And is there even like a national dish? We have national dishes. Since we've been talking about our generation, the most popular food in our generation are like you know tteokbokki. Oh my gosh! So, <laughs> so tteokbokki. I mean, we Koreans categorize as. I think the right word in English would be maybe like street food. Yeah. So we so it's like the food that's usually the young kids eat after school, you know, at a small restaurant. They don't, we don't usually call it restaurant. We call it like food shops. So we food shop. Know, we call it. There, there's not a word for English. So we, we if you say if you call that kind of place a restaurant, it sounds a bit form too formal. So it's like oh, like a street vendor. Yeah, like a street vendor. Okay, okay. By the way, I think Food Shop is such a cool name. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so uh, these vendors, um, I think it's a syndrome in Korea that tteokbokki became such a popular menu. So there's been, there's so many variances with it. And it's like, it's the best, I think it's the best representation of, of fusion in Korea. Korean, you know, like these mad food scientists have made collaborations. They started off with cheese. That was like the first unique collabor- collaboration I saw. And then they started putting like cream in there. And then, you know, they made it super spicy. And then also, and then, you know, now you eat it with different kind of food. Like you eat it with a hot dog. But this has been a trend like for a few months. So, I you know, saw you get, that. You, 
you get those crunchy hot dogs and then you dip it into the sauce of tteokbokki and you eat it. So this is mm-hmm. a, what's the most popular in my generation. Like I've been talking to my friends about this just a few days ago, even at school, you know, how we, how we have to eat this when we go back to Korea. So that's for my generation. I think there's also one unique culture food. It's called pudetjige. So it's Wait, a... Chige? Is that like yeah, the yeah. kimchi stew? Yeah, no, jjigae is like a Korean word for just like stew. So if you say kimchi jjigae, it's like a kimchi stew. Pudetjige is, it's, it's got a really interesting history. It came when Korea was having a war with North Korea. And when, you know, most of the people were really, really poor. People used to make stew out of the leftover food from the U.S. Army or like the soldiers. You know, they'd leave food behind. The Korean, like the, the, the Korean, the poor people would, you know, scrap all the leftovers, put them all into one stew, make it slight, slightly spicy. And that was what became, you know, the jjigae. And that's why the jjigae, although it looked, it's, it's a very Korean culture food, we have sausage in there. Sausage isn't a culture food in Korea, but it's a culture food in, for the U.S. people, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's like something that U.S. people enjoy eating. And it was the most popular leftover food from the U.S. soldiers. So that's why, you know, it's an interesting culture food that has sausages in it and then many other um, U.S. ingredients. So, Well, what I mean, kind of sausages exactly? Are they like hot dog or is it like like a spicy sausage or? No, it's, it's just a, it's not, it's just the ordinary sausages that you have that you would slice and maybe. No, because the reason I ask is that, okay, so a lot of people I feel like tend to ignore this, but American is not an ethnicity, meaning that like. Yeah. Unless if you're of the Native American right, tribes right. and that the majority of the U.S. citizens are of descendant of immigrants that came from Europe. So the, the sausages that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're similar to like kielbasa from like Poland. So mm-hmm. when you think about I it, I mean, probably when the people ate it like during the during the war, when they were first making it. And plus, I know from I know from history, they, they weren't delicious back then because it was just a random stew. It just <laughs> moderated. And because people got used to eating that, you know, the ingredients are now like they're better, it tastes better. And then I think the sausages we use right now are like just um, I don't know which type, but it's the most common sausage you find in the shop, the kind of chubby long one that you slice. Some yeah. So those are the ones that we use now. But possibly if we talk about how the what kind of sausage they ate back in the time. I think it could have been different sausages depending on what sausages that U.S. soldier was eating. Yeah, I was just thinking about like maybe we think that like it's Korean-American fusion when in reality it could possibly Uh, be like Korean-Polish fusion because of the kielbasa coming from like the Polish immigrants or like Portuguese sausage coming from. Yeah, I don't know. It was just it's just like a little food for thought, you know? Nice. Okay, Um, but that was really that was a really interesting history on the. Pudechige? How do you say it? Pudechige, yeah. Pudechige. Nice. What is exactly your favorite dish? My favorite dish? Yeah, your favorite Korean dish. It's up. Um, up yeah, I think I, I relieve my stress by eating spicy food. <laughs> really, dude, I, I, you know, I have to eat some something really, really spicy, you know, get the sweat out of me. And that's how I just feel like I feel, finally got rid of my stresses. Yeah, and tteokbokki is just a really good food for that. I mean, yeah, I love tteokbokki. And okay, I have a question. So I saw this thing on TikTok that was like, like rice cake, sausage, rice yeah. cake, sausage, rice cake. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. on the skewer. Is that an actual right. thing in Korea? Or is that like... Yeah, oh, that, that's, a, 
So whenever you order like tteokbokki or something, they usually have like a size menu that you can add, and those you call it sotok sotokin crazily. It's like sausage, dog, sausage. Dog is rice cake, so it's like the sauce from sausage, and then dog is rice cake, and then there's many things like cheese, isn't it? Um, that that's an option that you can wrap it in cheese or you can dip it into the spicy sauce, however you wish, and then eat it. Now that is one of my favorite. I I like it too. Yeah. Because the reason why I ask is like I didn't know if well tteokbokki is usually like in a plate instead of like on a skewer. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's it's on a plate. It's all, it also it looks like a stew, so it'll be like a bowl. Okay. Okay. Be the sauce and then the rice cake floating. Okay. Okay. I'm curious. Tteokbokki is your favorite, but do you also like bibimbap or like karbi purgogi or like do you think they're like a little more overrated because they're like super popular in the U.S. now or like. Are they even still popular in Korea? Uh, you can't really say it's 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 like saying because you know it's really common. It's it's not a food that we eat as a, because we like how it tastes or because it's you know special or rare. I mean, there I know many people who like it, but it's like saying like, do French people love baguettes or bread <laughs> or pancakes? No, for them. They, they eat it as like I think once a week, no matter what. Like it's just like the food they consider as very general. So it's the same thing, bibimbap. Or some kind of soup that became recently popular outside Korea. Those are usually food that we just eat for breakfast, or we just you know eat at school for school lunch. I mean, it's interesting how you know bibimbap. It's just like it's 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 a very common dish you'd find in school lunch or wherever. But then the European people, the American people, find it as a really special food. So I haven't really grown up with too much Korean food, but. My mom has a really good friend who's from Seoul, and well, she was born in Seoul. She taught me how to make bibimbap, and that was like one of the best, one of the most fun experiences ever. And she introduced me to kimchi, and now I have an I have like a three kilogram container of kimchi that's just for me, off limits, oh. nobody else in my house. Do you have like a special dish or a family recipe that gives you like great memories or a good story? Like you said that you grew up with your. Harmony and Harmoji at a young age. Did they ever make something, and then that was a childhood memory? Yeah, my grandmother is really good at making white kimchi. There are very many types of kimchi in Korea. Probably the most, the one you know, and the most popular one would be like the red one with cabbage. Yeah. But, you know, we make kimchi out of we use different ingredients, and there's also different types. White kimchi, they're not spicy, and they're usually like a bit sour. It also has vinegar in it, so you know that vinegar taste. Yeah. And then it's also the water that these kimchi are stored in are really cold, so it's something that you know, when you eat it, we Koreans usually say it tastes fresh. You know, it tastes fresh. It's really cool, and the taste is kind of makes you feel fresh. Um, my grandma. I don't know if it's a special recipe from my grandma, but when I, I my favorite is her version. And whenever I eat different white kimchi, you know, I often say this is taste right. You know, I've been offended to my mom too. Like my mom made those white kimchi that I tried it. I'm like, mom, you know, this is not how it's supposed to taste. You know, I need that grandma's white kimchi. You know, and and she she's been really disappointed in me when I said that. But is that your mom's mom or your dad's mom? My my dad's mom. Oh, okay. So no wonder she takes offense. I mean. I've heard I've seen like different types of kimchi, like daikon kimchi, I think, and then like you know the one with cabbage, the red kimchi. Yeah, there's so many different types of kimchi. It's delicious. Give me all the kimchi. Does your family do anything different to like popular dishes? You mean like if we have our special way of eating something different from other or like, people? I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's different, but um, so like usually these days and Korean people eat again. 
like the fried chicken I'm talking about, they eat it with like special spicy sauces or sweet sauces. But my family eats it with salt. Oh. So like, so we kind of dip into a bit of salt and eat it. But, but this is what, this is how my mom and dad's generation used to eat it. And my, and but then because now we have so many delicious sauces, I don't, I haven't really seen other families eat it this way. But my dad still, you know, he, he's like, when you eat chicken, you have to eat it with salt. There's no other way. So I've also learned to eat chick- fried chicken with salt. Yeah, this is, I think now, now you can say it's special because I, I rarely see other Korean friends, you know, so maybe, maybe I'm just unlucky to find other people. Nice, nice. And the Korean fried chicken, I've always been interested about that. Has Korean fried chicken always been around for like many years or has it become recently when like, you know, the internet was created and like people could see? Uh, it's, oh. it's been for very, very long. I know because fried chicken is... <laughs> I make it sound like so special, but so to understand when, when people go to base, watch baseball games, you consider eating fried chicken there as a must. Really? Yeah. That is it's like, so it's, it's, it's like the fried chicken is so blended well with so many culture and traditions in Korea. It feels like like it, it's it's one of those like really must. I know fried chicken doesn't originate from Korea. Of course, I think it probably originates from the United States or so. You know, the modern version of the one with like the crispy uh, yeah. part of it. I don't know when it was introduced in Korea, but it must be have been very long. Like, you know, when you go to baseball, when you go to watch baseball games, but also, you know, we have a special combination. You have to eat fried chicken with beer. Yeah. Even it's a popular abbreviation. Chimek. Mek. You know it so well. So, like, mek too is beer, but we got mek. You put it with chi from chicken. And then also, um, when you go to parks mm-hmm. and, like, late times when the sun is down, you know, when the, when the weather is cool. Not, not winter, but, like, usually in summer. You see people with lying down the grass and having chicken with them, the fried chickens. Yeah. Also, like the delivery service is so the best. I think it's the most developed service in, that I've seen anywhere. You can order food from, you can be on a bench in a park and order delivered to that place. They find you, bring you the food. So, Yo. That's why you see people in the park eating fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh, that is so cool. Yeah, so I'd say fried chicken is very, it's a generational phenomenon. Hey, that's pretty lit. (laughs) And what are some dishes from Korea that when I traveled to Korea, like I couldn't miss? Like I had to, like I had to eat them when I was in Korea. So fried chicken, you probably eat that no matter what. It's going to be also really, because there's so many different variations with it. We have special sauces like, I've introduced them to some of my foreign friends and they found it really, really shocking. There's like, Garlic sauce, spicy sauce, mayonnaise sauce. What I can't name them all, but there's so many. So whenever I bring my foreign friends to Korea or I have to introduce some food, I make them try some chickens and you know find their favorite taste. Mm-hmm. Um, after fried chicken, it would be probably jajangmyeon. <gasps> yes. Okay. I I know exactly what it is, but my mom my mom's friend she we haven't made it yet, but she wants to like teach me how to make jajangmyeon because like it's her favorite thing ever it always looks so good so it's like black bean noodles right right um it's it's said to be originated in china but you can't find that in china so it's like there, there's there's a i think it's a black bean like black soybean noodle that exists in china that that was introduced to korea and we kind of moderated to our taste well you know if you try the black bean or what the, the original one that's sold in like the chinese restaurant they taste uh, much more salty but like the ones in korea they're usually sweet very sweet 
so they never disappoint. You no, know? I find I, usually all my friends love eating jajangmyeon, so I probably introduce jajangmyeon fried chicken. Uh, if we have time, maybe I could even introduce nejangtang. So this food is not going to be your favorite probably because Korea has a tradition in food of eating all the organs in a cow. Okay. Because they're expensive. Usually, you know, Americans or Europeans, the dishes are focused on like, you know, the best part, the best meat part. And usually you guys know, you guys usually eat steaks and they're like the most popular dish from cow. We have steaks, but then we also use like intestine. We make food out of it. And yeah. uh, I love, I mean, Koreans love them because, you know, their taste is, it, it's a bit bitter, but sweet. It's a mixture of that. I like it, but then I've, I, I've always seen my friends get really shocked when they try it. They're like, how do you eat these things? But just for fun, I'll maybe make you try that too. So it's the tripe, like the cow intestine? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the tripe and also oh. uh, it's liver. So you get all these different organs that are edible. And then you boil them in the soup. And I would then it's eat that. Like, I would totally oh, eat that. Actually, uh, many more, yeah. it's really interesting because in Latin America, my dad's Mexican and my grandmother's from Costa Rica. Every time I go to Costa Rica, I've had like, there's this, there's some soups that we have, like it's with, like with tripe and, mm. and then there's also like other different types of organs and, and I've always thought it was delicious. And like, there's another dish in Costa Rica that we have. It's called lengua, which is like the tongue. And like, so like oh, eating yeah, yeah. tongue is, is really popular down there. And I've had it many times. I think it's delicious. My mom doesn't like it, which she's a little weird for it. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, you might like it. Personally, I've had like some experiences of like having different organs, like or, like the awful organs and like different animals. Don't put me in that category with the other people. Just kidding. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I I would absolutely be willing to try a tripe liver soup. I think it sounds interesting. If you don't try it, then you don't know if you're going to like it or not. What does food mean for for your culture, for Korean culture? Food, what does it mean? Or like, how important is food to Korean culture? I mean, we have food, but I, I, I can't think of why it might be special in Korea, but if I just talk about it in general, um, any other, like uh, families, I mean, probably your family too, in Thanksgiving, you'd have, uh, you celebrated with different kind of cultural food. We also have a lot of that on any cultural holidays. You know, we always have food, like they're always in there. You know, maybe for New Year, you have to eat the rice cake soup or uh, for Thanksgiving, you have to eat this uh, a specific type of rice cake called chalpyeon and chongpyeon. Yeah, so... I think it's something that, I mean, food is one thing that kind of identifies a culture in Korea. So uh, food changed a lot in Korea. Okay. And it also changed along with the culture. So like, you know, I said, I told you how Tteokbokki became popular to our generation. Yeah. So I think what food you eat right now, like what food you like, it, it, it tells which generation you're in. So if you, so many people in my generation, like Tteokbokki, if you ask my dad's generation, they usually enjoy sort of soups. We even find it funny when a middle schooler says his favorite food is like some sort of a soup or stew. That just <laughs> sounds awkward. My generation has the fried chicken or Tteokbokki or whatsoever. So I think food has been having like very cult. It's been going along with the cultural trend in Korea. That's really interesting to think about, and it's funny. You know, there's a similar concept in the U.S. Let's say somebody's favorite food is I don't know oatmeal, or like someone our someone yeah. our age says like oatmeal is their favorite food. Then people would be like, 
are you like a grandma or something? Like, you know, old yeah. people eat oatmeal and porridge. Meanwhile, my brother is obsessed with oatmeal. There's a stereotype that like, if you like oatmeal, then you act like an old person. <laughs> so that's the same thing, I think. Nice. <laughs> the last food question, what dish or like food makes you feel a sense of home? Or like a sense of comfort, a sense of, you know, family? I, mean, I might give you the same answer, but it's the white kimchi. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whenever I've, I go back to Korea, my grandmother meets us. You know, that, that's one food she always puts on the table and the one that, you know, I and my brother get obsessed with. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of food are the food you can't really send overseas. They're really hard because they're, you know, they're in liquid and also they rot easily. But when I eat that in Korea, that's when I kind of feel like, oh, I am in Korea. Like I am where I belong to. My, my general answer would be any food that my grandmother does, mm-hmm. because those are the food I ate when I lived in Korea. Any other food, I've usually ate them outside of Korea. So, so obviously, your, your grandmother must be a really great, really good at cooking. Is she, does she make any other dishes other than just white kimchi? Oh, she makes kalbi tang, and kalbi means ribs. So it's like a rib soup, and that's one thing she's also good at making. So TK, yeah. you said one of your favorite dishes is a rib stew. All right, now this. I'm just like, kidding. Um, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I'm but, <laughs> I mean, but I'm saying it may, I, I'm not saying it's like, like my favorite favorite, but it's something like I just you know when you eat it, like you said, I feel at home. I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I'm no, home. I get it. I'm just uh, playing with you because of the thing about soups and stews. That's awesome. And also, yeah, we have dump, and she also does a lot of dumplings. Dumpling. <gasps> I mean, we mandu. That's the proper way to say in Korean. And her mandus are special because. Her mandu comes from a region in Korea that makes food really spicy. Oh. So her mandus are really, really spicy. And plus, um, she's been having some health issues with smelling. So she's in smelling things so well as she used to do. So when she tastes her own food, she, like uh, the spiciness is decreased so much. When she makes a food that tastes spicy for her, it's like crazy hell spicy for me and my brother so her, <laughs> those those spicy dumplings you make like when you eat them they're like the ones that like literally makes you sweat all over eating a dish of it whenever i do that and you know sweat you know i get into the old memories and that's great yeah. and wait so where what part of korea is your grandmother from i think the it's uh it's Gyeongsangdo. it's far from Seoul, and they make a lot of spicy they use um Cheongyang. Kutu, it's this type of chili that's okay. popular in Korea, but it's a very spicy one. And they make a lot of dishes using that. So that's why my grandma's foods are always spicy. Nice, nice. Let's say somebody's coming to Korea and they don't know where to go. Where would you recommend them to go? Seoul. That's where you have to go. That's where that's the first place you should be. You know, Seoul is a very I haven't I didn't live in Seoul when I was in Korea. I lived I lived in a countryside and then for my middle school I stayed in a city in near the capital but not Seoul. I've only went to Seoul during breaks uh, during summer breaks when I was living outside just for, just to you know have fun with my friends and visit there so even when I go to Seoul I feel like I'm at a new place I can tell you how I feel. Seoul is like a place that's a mix of like the old age and the new age. The one side you see all these buildings and all these you know the common image of Seoul where there's like the skyscrapers and now there's all these buildings with light. It's beautiful. But just on the other side, you see the fortresses and the castle. They're, they're all together. You know, it's, you know, often in I've been to many places in Europe, and I and I love all these fortresses and all these historical places. But they're usually separated. Mm-hmm. Or you know, if there are people, if there are residency near those places, they have the same kind of 
theme. So yeah. watch is one of them. Near the Kremlin, you find buildings that look like Kremlin, you know, the same kind of architecture. Where there's like a mixture. You can see those paper or like you have a building, mixture you see a fortress. And that's just, you know, that's the beauty of Seoul, you know. You just feel like you're in both timers at the same time. That's beautiful. And wait, so like just spend the entire time in Seoul? Only go to Seoul or would you say like... No, no. I mean, Seoul's the first place to go. After Seoul, you should go to probably Busan because Busan is where the where the best seafood of Korea are. You oh. should go there because it's, it's by the harbor, by the shore. So you should try all the seafood in Busan. Also, like the beaches in Busan are the most popular in Korea. Um, definitely go there. And then probably if you could go to one more place, there'll be the Jeju Island. Oh, yeah. That... Yeah, so the Jeju Island, it's a volcanic island, you know, it's made from a volcanic eruption, but um, there's also a lot of famous food in there, like the pork in Jeju Island is famous, green tea is famous there. So I think it's worth going for food, also for the beautiful views and the beaches, they're also amazing there. So where, which place has better beaches, Jeju or... Um, Busan. Let's say Busan beaches are very, very crowded. It's where the young people, the, the, the atmosphere of the beach is like, it's, it's more like a party. Oh. Jeju Island Beach is more calm. And, you know, I, I think the Jeju be- beaches are more beautiful. If you want to see the beauty, you go to Jeju. If you want to see the atmosphere, the partying, the fun, then you should go to Busan. Nice. So take the train to Busan. <laughs> Awesome. Um, okay, then I have one last question. Well, let's say you meet someone and they have no idea what Korea is. They don't even know if it's a country. They don't know. They've never heard of anything about it. And you can tell them like one thing about Korea. What would you tell them? One thing about Korea. It can be about anything. It's got the fastest Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> the fastest Wi-Fi in the world? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think that's also... Like, I, I don't know what the standard is, but Korea has been selected to be the country with the fastest Wi-Fi too. I mean, I say any random free Wi-Fi you find on the street is much faster than my home Wi-Fi in Russia. Seriously? Yeah. But in Korea, it's a must for all cafes and restaurants. Even on the street, you just find random Wi-Fi booths that are available. You can access them. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, there's been education usually, like, some, you know, you say saying that, like, if you use this kind of free Wi-Fi on the street, you might get your phone hacked. But, like, we <laughs> gents, you never care. We need Wi-Fi. We're going to use it. Yeah. But, yeah, so you, you, you could probably walk a whole street with, you, without using your data, just the Wi-Fi on the streets and watch YouTube. So that I'm definitely taking note about that <laughs> when I come to Korea. Oh, wait, one last thing. I mean, you might be tired of hearing this as your Korean living abroad, Squid Game. Thoughts yeah, on Squid, Squid Game. Game? Squid Game is, you know, Squid Game actually isn't that popular in Korea. Really? Like, it's more popular. I mean, it's popular, but like, when Koreans first, my family, even my friends, when we saw first saw Squid Game, it was like, the very first thought that came to us was, this smells so much like an American or, you know, foreign film. It, it, it's got a very different atmosphere in Korea. I think that's why many, many foreign people got interested in it. Usually, Korea doesn't have films with random psychopaths, which people enjoying people die in a stadium. I don't. That's not. That's not a story you'd find in Korea. That's not a story that Korean people would really understand. But you know, in America or elsewhere, there are films like this, and that's why you know this could have been popular. So, but I, I mean, I, because I watch a lot of American films and you know many films on Netflix. When I first saw Squid Game, I thought it was very, very fun. At the same time, I also knew that my parents wouldn't be a fan of this. 
they probably will watch this and go like, so what's the story all about? And ex- that's <laughs> exactly the thing my dad and my mom told me when they first started. They're like, so what's the point of this whole series? Like, you know, people just die and that's it. So, you know, that, that's how many Koreans felt about the series. I kind of still see why it's popular elsewhere. Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Everything about it was super cool, but obviously it is pretty dark. I thought it was really great. I hated the ending, but like I was interested like the games they played or you know that actual squid game is that a real yeah, yeah, game yeah. that exists in korea yeah they are games that i played when i was in kindergarten my brother don't know those games i played them when i was in kindergarten i think that's the last time i played mm-hmm. those are the games that my parents played so my dad my mom they knew every single one of them they played them i've played a few of them when i was really really little my brother don't know them they existed probably because he's a generation that play video games on phones so i'm guessing oh, your brother's yeah. younger yeah my brother's younger okay 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 that makes more sense then that's super cool like i didn't know if they were just made up or if they were actually like real games in korea yeah they, they, i mean like the killing is made up but well of course of course yeah. but like the dalgona candy and you know you have the needle and then you try to like trace it like have you are you like have you ever been successful or is it difficult is it like actually really difficult i i did that when i was in kindergarten um when a kindergartner comes they make it easy for you like you, you can cut them easily mm-hmm. but yeah i've tried i've failed many many times when i was you know slowly <laughs> cutting it but then it just cracked ah that sucks yeah. it's actually really really cool because one of my really good friends at my school he's korean-american and lived in Seoul for a few years. Like this during this school year, he brought some of the games. Like he brought, you know, those two envelopes that like would like slap on the ground and then like try to flip the other one. Like in the very first episode, he brought that to school and we played it and it was so much fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, TK, you're awesome. Thank you so much for doing this interview with me. Really appreciate it. Had a lot of fun learning about Korea and everything. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. How would you say thank you for doing this interview with me in Korea? Interview. Yes. In, interview. So that's interview. Interview. 해주셔서. Interview. 해주셔서. 감사합니다. 감사합니다. That's thank in, you for the interview. Interview. 해주셔서. 감사합니다. Yeah, perfect. Definitely butchered that, but thank you. <laughs> Okay, Chalga. Thank you for listening to my Global Youth's Perspective podcast. My goal is to share insight into the lives and cultures of my friends around the world, and hopefully we can listen to each other, bridge our differences, and make this world a better place.